0: Welcome to the Create Unknown. I am Kevin Lieber with me as always is Matthew Tabor and we're gonna get into a little bit of Jake Paul stuff today, something that I don't know that I, I ever thought we would get into, but a couple of things popped just in the last couple of days that it's it struck a chord with me for a couple of reasons, uh, one of which just has to do with something I've been thinking about for a while in regards to Twitter that we'll get into. Another one hits a little bit close to home as it relates to online learnings, I guess you would say. (laughs) Online education, (laughs) advice giving. I I don't know how you would quantify what we're about to get into with uh, Jake Paul's new venture here, Matt.
1: Uh, Well, I know how I want to start, and that is I quit. You can tell Vsauce to stuff it <laughs> in this podcast is over because now I can get financially I can get financial freedom for like twenty dollars a month.
0: That's a really and I didn't know that until deal.
1: just now that I'd be able to to make that switch. But I don't see why I would possibly
0: be a wage slave to the YouTube machine any longer. Yeah, yeah, or any machine. You know why bother? But but first, <laughs> build my I, own machine. I want to uh, I want to thank our latest two dollar tot Zeke. Welcome to the two dollar tot fold Zeke Monohim for graduating from Dumpster Crew to Infantry, a uh, a huge yes, life upgrade awesome. there for Monohim, and uh, I had a great serial discussion with uh, Dumpster Crew Conrad that it was suggested that you and I kind of uh, further expand upon in our next live stream and and drop like a kind of a serial tier list. I mean, he got pretty Conrad wow. got pretty into the weeds about like dry cereal versus cereal that requires milk versus what he considers candy cereal and and like not candy cereal. This this yeah. this topic is has depth
1: to it. Those are real distinctions, by the way. I mean, a, number one, cereal that requires milk is a different thing. Some you can eat with milk, and some, or I mean, some you can eat without. Standalone little, you know
0: confection almost especially the candy cereal you can just eat that yeah and it is like candy <laughs> so we, we will we will do that in our next live stream uh, if you want to find out first and foremost when we're doing our live streams you got to go to patreon.com slash the create unknown join us there join our discord we will talk about things ranging from cereal to um you know steven seagal eating a carrot there's a wide range there too so To being able to retire at at like 21 because you're financially free. Well, the only way that you're going to get into that is with the Jake Paul financial freedom movement. But that's actually not where I want to start. I think we will get into that second. Where I want to start with this is the tweet that he got in trouble for in regards to telling people that essentially anxiety is kind of all in their head.
1: And these two things are related in a way because you talked to me a little bit about this earlier about how these two things intersect, and I just want to point out that that they're going to <laughs> that, that these two topics, this tweet about anxiety and you know personal responsibility on anxiety, whatever, intersects with this guruness in a way, doesn't it?
0: Well, that's what made me realize that that we needed to talk about this and this wasn't going to be an episode is because that connection clicked in my head where I'm like, okay, on one hand, we have Jake Paul getting in trouble simply for a tweet that is supposed to be giving advice. And on the other hand, we have the same person launching this enterprise claiming to allow people to bypass any other form of education, but just listen to him and his like clan of gurus. but so here's here's mm-hmm. a tweet for those for those for those of you listening that aren't uh knee deep in the Twitterverse. Uh this tweet was not up for long. I think it was it was up and deleted within 6 hours or so because the backlash was so strong. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was it was a heavy and swift backlash from a lot of people who were really upset about this and he subsequently deleted the tweet. But this is this is what it was because you can't find it now <laughs> aside from screenshots. He wrote, "Remember anxiety is created by you. Sometimes you got to let life play out and remind yourself to be happy and that the answers will come. Go for a walk, talk to a friend." That was it. Yeah, well, I got to tell you I think he
1: got a a little bit of uh unfair backlash because I think the context of the of the tweet is that a lot of General basic fears in life are things that, uh, you know, that, that come down to your worldview. I don't think he was talking about the anxiety of like being on a crowded bus and, and, get, and getting like a panic attack. I don't think he's talking about that kind of anxiety at
0: all. So he actually clarified with a follow up tweet that that was also since deleted that said just that. So it's funny that you say oh, okay. that because he did clarify with a follow up tweet that was that it was basically like, look, I'm just talking about, and I, and I don't have that because it, it's gone now. But it was mm-hmm. essentially like, look, sometimes I'm not. It was like I'm not talking about basically clinical anxiety or something. Uh, that requires you know serious attention and can be debilitating to people it was more like if you're feeling nervous about something you should yeah take a walk de-stress and decompress in some sort of way and talk to people about it yeah yeah which is like the most generic basic advice (laughs) ever it's not controversial yeah it's
1: it's also like the first thing that that uh any, any professional is really going to tell you. It's like, find a way to kind of de-stress and relax and, you know, sleep better and eat better and like get some light exercise and walk around and this and that, you know, it's like, it's like, uh, the first 10 minutes of intervention on stress. So it's not like he threw some out there thing, uh, that was like, Oh, are you having panic
0: attacks? Go walk your dog and everything will be okay. I think the crux of the problem is the way that he phrased it. When, he's, mm-hmm. when he phrased it as, remember, anxiety is created by you, that is not, that is not a fair assessment for, for, or, or a helpful way to think about it for, for people who do have serious anxiety about anything. It, it's, yep. it's not helpful to say, oh, hey, just remember, it's, uh, it's your fault. <laughs> <laughs> basically.
1: <laughs> so so let's be clear from the beginning. <laughs> everything that's wrong with you is your fault alone. <laughs> so we just want to establish that responsibility that uh, you just screwed everything up yourself. Now let's talk about <laughs> right. how things can be better for you. No, that's probably bad framing, isn't
0: it? Well, it kind of sounds like to say anxiety is created by you. It sounds like you're saying you're making it up. Yeah, right? It's like this is all in your oh, head. Yeah. You're making it up. And whether or not he meant it that way, it's it comes across that way to a lot of people. And I think it, it makes sense for people to to read it that way and say, "Hey, this is very messed up and and a damaging thing to tell people."
1: Even if you've opened the door to having it interpreted in in you know, the way that we're talking about with a different sort of anxiety and and this being the wrong solution for that. Um, If you've written a tweet in such a way that it can even go in that direction, you have not written a good tweet. Okay. Like he easily could have thrown in a couple words to make that distinction before having to do it in a follow-up reply, because by the time he did that um, and this was all deleted, like, I, I don't know exactly when it happened, but, but I was asleep when it did. So by the time I woke up, uh, this was all over and all there was was Jake Paul saying that anxiety is your own fault. So I didn't see any of it play out. Um, But if he's, he could have easily thrown a couple words in that made the distinction he wanted to make. And it, even if he'd done that, it, like you said, this is not groundbreaking stuff, you know, take a walk and breathe. (laughs) Like uh, Okay. It's, it's not like nobody had considered that before February of 2020.
0: Yeah, seriously, it reminds me like that level of rudimentary advice almost reminds me of a kid needing a timeout, right? I mean, it's that level of advice. It's like, okay, Johnny, I know that you're really upset that we're not going to McDonald's today, but you're having a tantrum and I need you to have a timeout. So go sit in the corner and kind of like (laughs) calm down and count to 10, you know, count, count backwards from 10 to 1. And, and that's kind of what I think that he was trying to say, but here's the, yeah. that's the, what you illustrated is exactly the problem. It wasn't worded. Well, it wasn't worded. Not only what it wasn't worded perfectly and almost at when you're at his level of spotlight or clout or whatever, like when that, when, when so many people are paying attention to you, you have to word everything perfectly. I genuinely think that on Twitter, because otherwise you are, and even if you do sometimes, and we'll get into my story that I have with this in a second. But I feel like your story is
1: awesome. Watching
0: that play out was was one of uh, the better days that I've had in this fledgling new year. Oh my gosh! But even if you don't, or I'm sorry, even if you do word it perfectly, you are still going to get a percentage of people who are going to interpret it however they want and react and, to, to you however they want. That's right. And then a segment of
1: those are purposely looking for some reason to jump on you. Um, you know, there, there are plenty of people in the commentary space who are just dying to misinterpret willfully whatever you're saying so that they can make a thing out of it and, and, you know, blow up a, a little thing that didn't need to be blown up. As you were talking about this, I was thinking, you know how centuries and centuries ago, a king would have a food taster to make sure that nobody was poisoning him. You know, the food taster would take a couple bites of the meal. And if he didn't you know, fall over grasping at his throat, the food was safe to eat. Now, people like Jake Paul need a tweet taster. They need a full-time person who just tastes their tweet before you you hit publish on it. So that person can tell you, no, you worded this wrong. They're going to seize on this, or it just doesn't come off the way you thought it would. Just to taste every single tweet to make sure that you don't poison yourself, your own career.
0: I think you just created a great business. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Tweet taster.
0: Yeah, tweet tasters. (laughs) That's such a good idea. There's got to be... So that must exist already to some degree. I'm sure that there are like social media companies that are like, we will vet your stuff. I'm guessing, but I love the, I idea. think it's why PR reps. Yeah. Like PR uh, firms and, and image consultants and things like that
1: do actively run those accounts uh, rather than the personal people doing it. Because number one, there's a whole bunch of analytic stuff tied to it that it's just easier if the people looking at that are the ones, you know, doing things you can tell the difference though in highly polished tweets and ones that are very clearly from that person but if you put that that a competent middleman in the in there they can kind of filter out some of these problems before they happen uh but that was when all of this hit uh the first thing that jumped out at me was like whoa Jake Paul
0: must do a lot of his own tweets <laughs> because if he didn't <laughs> this one never would have gone through yeah and it's also when you were saying tweet taster i was also thinking that even if he has a tweet taster within his crew it's got to be a third party because if it's like yeah your bro <laughs> is probably not going to have your best interest in mind or like think too critically about how people plus they're just in your sphere um and they're not going to have like a a very worldly view uh upon how other people could interpret what it is you're saying but here's here's where I get into my story because the thing that the, the, the Jake Paul tweet reminded me of was I tried to give my two cents on an issue recently on Twitter. And I received a lot of backlash on it for something that I felt was very innocuous. Uh, Had I, had I tasted your tweet before
1: you sent it? I don't think I would have said there was a problem. Um, yeah it launched into a thing but it it kind of shouldn't have and so that was really fascinating to to watch that play out and i'm now that there's been a couple weeks cuz this was maybe 2 weeks ago is that right maybe 3 yeah. i don't know
0: yeah.
1: yeah it was a few weeks ago so i i'm really curious now to hear how how you think about it now having a few weeks of perspective but so what what started this what triggered the initial the initial like avalanche of of tweets on this.
0: Well, the overall connection that I'd like to make and like the thesis of this topic is if it's worth trying to give advice at all on Twitter. <laughs> and I don't know if the answer to that is yes. I think for me the answer to that is leaning more towards no. I want to
1: point out that there are, well that there are two categories of advice here. You know, there there are a couple things like and I noticed this on Facebook years ago uh where if you say if you talk about a pet at all in a, a way that uh, there's some kind of problem or whatever people will come out of the woodwork like the people who haven't talked to you in like 7 years will jump out and tell you like how to train your dog or like what's wrong with your cat or something like this there are a couple topics um things like guitars too like if somebody posts something as as just basic as like, I want to buy a guitar. Any recommendation? Well, you get like 57,000 authoritative comments uh, telling you to do X because doing Y is stupid. You know, it's it's nuts. Um, so there's that general type of stuff. But then there's, you know, you talk about advice where you can give advice when you really are the person to give advice. And that's what was interesting about what happened with you. You were weighing in on something that you are... You know you're not the only person in the world qualified to give this advice, but you're part of an extremely small number of people who are qualified to give this advice yeah so so what, what was the situation then? What was what, that topic?
0: What happened was a a youtuber who I don't know and I'm not I don't follow. I had never heard of this youtuber before. you know, there's a billion youtubers I can't know everybody had tweeted a story in which he was at lunch and some other people that were also eating there were being very, very rude uh, to to him while he was just trying to enjoy his lunch, right? So he's just like sitting there, I think perhaps like with his friends or I, I – I, I'm trying to paint a picture here of just like a normal person just trying to have lunch and then some people at like a different table were – what were they doing? They were like playing his videos on their laptop really loud or on their phone really loud, making it very, very awkward for him.
1: So that's 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 not what I remember on that exchange. Uh, so he I think he was saying that uh, the guy looked over a couple times. The guy at the other table looked over at the YouTuber a couple times and then eventually pulled out his phone and played The theme song for the channel
0: Okay. played like
1: five seconds of the theme, you know, to, and then smiled about. And that was it. And, and that was, I think that's what launched people really discussing it. Like, is that an annoying thing to do? Is it a creepy thing to do? Is it uh, a kind of funny, goofy way that maybe is kind of awkward and didn't elicit the reaction the fan hoped, you know, but is ultimately harmless? And a lot of people were saying, flat out, like this is extremely rude and it's creepy, and it's threatening. i didn 't think it was threatening. I thought it was <laughs> a goofy thing that that probably came out to the YouTuber differently than the fan you know the fan intended. Um, but then people started talking about h- how you do that kind of thing, you know fan interactions, and most people were not at all sympathetic to the fan. Um, and we've both seen, we've seen pretty much every iteration of famous people and fan interactions over the years, you know, before, before YouTube, cause we've been around, you know, high profile people for many years in weird, weird ways, yeah. you know, pre YouTube. So
0: yeah. Yeah. But so, okay. I wasn't, I wasn't there. I wasn't in the room. I don't know what exactly transpired i don't know how creepy this fan was being but the youtuber was creeped out they were uncomfortable and they felt like the fan was being rude okay those are just the facts and that's what the youtuber was saying and i trust you know the youtubers feelings on this you can't um i can't really argue whether or not this person felt uncomfortable they just did and that's the That's just the way it is. So a YouTuber that I, that I am mutuals with kind of retweeted this and and again was just more or less coming to the, to the defense of the YouTuber and, and, and just sort of saying like, Hey fans, you know, if you see YouTubers or you see us out in public, like don't be creeps, I guess (laughs) more or less, (laughs) which is (laughs) perfectly reasonable uh, to ask that of people.
1: Do the, same, uh, do the same rules apply to the YouTubers? Can we get a, a straight
0: up statement
1: that YouTubers shouldn't be creeps either?
0: Shouldn't be creeps <laughs> to fans? Yeah, I think generally speaking, no one should be a creep okay. okay, to anybody. So where I thought that I had something useful to contribute to this discussion, because like you said, I have experienced this for a while, mainly at conventions, you know. I I don't really go outside enough to get recognized in public because (laughs) you actually have to be in public to get recognized in public. That doesn't happen to me uh, quite so often. But when I go to any convention and I'm around a ton of people, invariably someone's going to recognize me from, from Vsauce. It just happens. My suggestion in this scenario and... I'm not sure whether or not this would have worked in the scenario of this YouTuber at the creepy lunch. Maybe it wasn't the right time to do this. But what I said was that in my experience, it is awkward, but it's usually the YouTuber, meaning me, who has to break the ice and say hi first. Because the dynamic between a fan who is nervous to say hi to somebody that they recognize is. It, it it it's really helpful in the social discomfort of that scenario for me as the youtuber to say hi that's it just like hey how's it going or or just yeah. make eye contact or say hi i'm kevin um not even assuming that they know who i am like yeah. i'll often just introduce myself like hey i'm kevin not like yes yes it is me <laughs> of course you <laughs> recognize me, but, but that was one of the weirder <laughs> interpretations of people who read my tweet were quote, retweeting me angrily. Yeah,
1: you started to blow up in a t- Turning way. me
0: into this like egotistical maniac, uh, and, and characterizing me as somebody who just walks around in public, assuming everybody knows who I am. And just goes up to strangers saying, hi, yes, it is It is me, Vsauce2. Like, <laughs> right. obviously not. Like, that's completely ridiculous. And it wasn't what I was saying. What I was saying was in those scenarios where a fan is very clearly trying to get your attention, but is nervous to say anything and they don't know what to say, it's helpful for you to just say, hi, that's it. Right. And that puts the whole interaction
1: on your terms, right? So that that's why you kind of make the first move on that as the the one who's, you know, a, this celebrity status in the case of this guy having dinner, whatever. Like, I understand that maybe he doesn't want to be bothered at all. But for him to just acknowledge or somebody to, to walk up to the person looking at you at a convention or something and just say, hey, I'm, I'm Kevin, I'm whomever. All of a sudden it's on your terms and whatever plays out from that point on, you started it and you set the tone for it and you can have that little engagement and close it up and be on your way. And it's way easier to do it like that. And that's that was to me all you were saying. And we talked about this with networking stuff when we, you know, a couple months ago when we had that whole episode dedicated to networking. This this principle works exactly the same way when you're at any event where there's networking. Uh, if there are usually people you you recognize and want to talk to, they're not celebrities most of the time because they're just kind of you know weenies in your industry who who are important or but for whatever reason you want to talk to them uh, and. At a personal level, too, like you can go out and somebody catches your eye. Well, what do you think is the more normal way to approach a guy or girl who you're interested in? Like eye them creepily from 17 feet away and hope this goes well for you? Or just go up and say, hey, I'm Kevin. What's going on? (laughs) Like, you know, this is clearly the better solution here. And that works for any kind of human interaction. And that's all you said. That's all you said was hey, go say hey and put it on your own terms and make yeah. it as long or as short as you want, and that's that's fine.
0: Well, and and again, I just want to reiterate that in in this specific example of this YouTuber being uncomfortable in that scenario, again, I, I don't blame them. I wasn't there. Maybe this person was going above and beyond to make them uncomfortable and you know. All I was trying to do was speak in general terms. And I guess yeah. that was something that didn't come across. And again, this is just, I think, an issue of Twitter. And it comes back to how people can interpret things. Like from, from my the context in my head, what I was trying to communicate on Twitter was that in general terms, if you are a YouTuber in a scenario where someone is clearly – uh, trying to get your attention and everyone feels awkward about that. Everybody feels awkward about that. You feel awkward that they're not saying hi and they feel awkward that they don't know how to approach you. The easiest way to cut that tension is for the YouTuber to cut the tension and just say, hello. And it this, and, and like you said, this, doesn't even have to do with YouTube. This doesn't no. even have to do with celebrity. celebrity. Yeah, it doesn't have to do with anything other than a social interaction where one person is trying to get the attention of the other. And the the only thing that's different about it in this way is that it does kind of happen often to YouTubers when they're in environments such as conventions where it's likely that. I don't know, say there are 20,000 people at VidCon or whatever, yeah. and 0.01% of them recognize you. That's still a lot of people <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> who, who recognize you. Yeah, you're going to you. get dozens
1: of people coming up to you and, and wanting to uh, have a conversation or just tell you something about, hey, I'm a fan or that video was cool on you know whatever topic or getting a picture or something. There are always going to be dozens, and they're varying Ages and uh, some are all kind of crazy and over caffeinated and hyped out to the max. You know, they're bouncing around like pinballs, and others have, you know, we- they're working on like the third day of 17 minutes of sleep and they're dragging and about ready to fall over and die. So you get this continuum of possible energy and comfort levels that is tremendously low to tremendously high. It's it's, it's kind of neat because when we're at VidCon, <laughs> so like obviously nobody's coming up to me. Although at the last VidCon, one person, one person knew who I was from the podcast. Can you believe that? Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I actually got recognized one time, one time. I don't need a second now. So if you see me at VidCon 2020, do not come say hello because I've already <laughs> been recognized once in my life. Um, but no, so I, I get to you know i I get to see this happen to you. So it's awesome to be on the on the fringes of this, and if if everybody is together, and it's you, Michael and Jake. Well, then, then it really clicks for everybody. You know, everybody around knows, knows who, like, that trio is. So I get to witness the best and the worst of these interactions with absolutely no risk and nothing at stake to myself. It's awesome. <laughs> it's, it's like yeah. being that the guy... Oh, no, I can't make a reference to a show this old. I was thinking about, like, that, that guy in Quantum Leap who... Scott, Scott Bakula. Bakula? Can see. No, the one that the older guy, Harry something, uh, who Scott Bakula can see, but nobody else can. Right, right, right. Yeah, that's basically me at VidCon when I'm around you guys.
0: <laughs> yeah, but the 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 point is, I honestly felt really terrible about the amount of people that I upset, even though I felt like I was giving pretty decent advice. <laughs> it was interpreted really negatively. Yes. And then all of a sudden I'm feeling like I did something wrong where I'm like, uh, uh, I, I was just trying to share something that has helped me in the past as a person who has social anxiety. Like I am not, you can attest to this better than anyone. I am not a social butterfly. I'm not, f- <laughs> I'm not f- flapping my my butterfly wings around social events happily engaging with everyone and anyone <laughs> it it takes a lot for me to engage in social activity and therefore i also have experienced just feeling social anxiety and being the person to say hello first in those situations was is something that has helped me yeah And I felt like it could help other people and all of this stuff, you know, it's taking me a while on this podcast to kind of lay out where I'm coming from is impossible on Twitter. And and so this comes back to my original thesis of, is it, should we even bother trying to give advice over Twitter? Well, the
1: two things that we've talked about here, Jake Paul's tweet and your story on this, there is uh, there is a crossover because one of the things that, that really turned into a, a difficult thread, like sub-thread of, of your tweet, was this girl saying what uh, – I forget how she worded it, but her point was what Kevin is saying is – awful and absolutely inappropriate because you don't know if the person on the receiving end of that person coming up and saying hi uh, will be overwhelmed by that and either she or somebody else uh, said that a YouTuber who they liked at a convention came up did exactly what you said should be done just came up and said hi and, and broke the ice and it sent that person into a panic attack and there's no way to know how you're going to be received uh, when, when you do make that first move. And that just, yes, that's a specific case that, that exists, right? But it wasn't what you were talking about. And you were talking very, very generally. And this person seemingly refused to understand that 99 times out of 100, what you're saying is going to go perfectly fine. And, and actually I think somebody would feel good about that person coming up to them and engaging with them. But of course there are exceptions. And apparently uh, at, at some conventions there are kind of eh, not badges, but like add ons to your tag and whatever that explicitly uh, suggest to anybody looking, let me make the first move in a conversation. You know, that, that, I have a sort of uh, of anxiety about people coming up to me and uh, doing this. So let me make the first move. Well, okay. Um, But that person was just processing the whole thing in very specific terms. Um, What's probably more exception than rule. Uh, But they weren't saying, Hey, Hey, You know, by the way, this is a situation that exists for some of us. They were just saying, no, 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 you you can't do what Kevin's saying at all. You cannot do this because there's a segment of people for whom it is not going to work out. And that, that kind of, that seemed very black and white to me. And it seemed odd that you would shut down any kind of interaction like that out of fear that, that you would you know do that to the wrong person, so I understood the point that she was trying to make on it, but how do you how do you cancel saying hello uh because some people need to say hello first, you know, and, and even i I don't even like the visual cues, okay, especially when they're name tags, right because they hang you know, about the middle of your chest, stomach usually. Right. And when you're walking around those events, like I hate having to look at everybody's stomach. And if you're talking to a girl, it looks like you're not looking at her stomach, you know, but all you're doing is trying to see what's on the name tag, whether it's the name and and who they work for, what they do, whatever, or the array of little stripes, you know, the little ribbons that you can add on a tag that, that say, if somebody's a speaker or, you know, any, any litany of the, you know, possible add-ons there, you know, everybody's walking around, you know, staring two feet below somebody's face, you know, so that's not a great solution, but yeah, that, that responded just did not want to talk about your point. So she read your tweet in the context of what she did want to talk about and ran in that direction with it. And what
0: can you do about that? Nothing. That's what I'm saying. Like, there is nothing that you can do about that. Because no matter what, you know, Twitter is such a big place, you have such a limited amount of characters to communicate any sort of idea. And on top of that, you're going to find a contingency that A, will misconstrue what you did say for whatever purposes they have, or B, like you said, not misconstrue but at least read it through a certain filter
1: yeah.
0: that that deems it to be wrong. That deems it to be wrong. And then all of a sudden you're a bad person. And it's like, is this worth it? I'm, I don't think <laughs> that it is. And that's how I felt after just trying to give what I thought was a little bit of like <laughs> innocuous in like advice that came from a good place and then just got really kind of roasted for it. I was like, I don't think yeah, this is worth did. it. And I don't think I'm going to do this anymore.
1: You did. Uh, and, and first, I just want to be clear. Are you suggesting that it's possible for a seemingly harmless interaction on Twitter to turn up, it, it, to blow up into some big thing that plagues you for weeks and months? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Because I I hadn't come across that before. <laughs> yeah. You have no experience with this whatsoever.
0: None. It. I just don't know, man. I don't know if it's worth it. Uh, I think I love Twitter. I love the jokes (laughs) and that's it. I think it's a great place (laughs) for memes and for jokes and a really, 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 really bad place to try to give any sort of advice on anything. I think it depends
1: on the community of the person tweeting the thing though, you know, depending on who's tweeting it. Um, there's a segment of people who or not, not, not a segment. I mean, an overwhelming majority who kind of have similar thoughts on it. So for example, a lot of science education YouTubers are very into climate change issues and all sorts of environmental issues. I'll tell you about something I didn't tweet, although I desperately wanted to, and this is exactly why I didn't tweet it. Um, Uh, if there's a point that you'd want to correct or add to or say, actually, it's a little more like this, just anything that seems critical, uh, it's going to go poorly in those replies because everybody following along is, is probably not going to agree with you on that. Uh, and you're just going to get roasted because in that community, um, you know, of, of people following those YouTubers, they're just less amenable to, uh, To thinking, you know, in other terms about it, you know. And so I look at this Mr. Beast Valentine's video, okay, where he gave 100,000 roses to, is it girlfriend, fiance, wife? I forget where he's at with her. I think girlfriend. I think think so too. I think so. Um, So 100,000. Now, I am not a botanist. I'm not a biologist even. I don't even like living things. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'm no expert here, but um, a lot of roses do not come from the US. Roses are extremely water intensive to grow. Well, I don't know if extremely is fair, but let's say it's like three or four gallons a week over, I don't know, 12 weeks to, to get a rose. And I'm thinking, Mr. Beast, you just did this team trees thing. And we've got a hundred thousand times how many gallons per rose of water. Like you went through tens of millions of gallons of water for this video. And we're not even talking about um, any of the costs and emissions and all of these things associated with transporting those roses because I doubt they were in the backyard you know, and I start thinking about all the possible costs on this. It's tremendous. I mean, <laughs> it's really shocking. And I think about the heat that you got from a couple comment, uh commenters on the spaghetti chair video because of the carbon emissions on flying a couple people to Rome. Mind you, half of them were on the same flight. So it's not like we each had our separate emissions. Uh, but uh, anyway,
0: you know, that like, is or, we're, or we're char- or chartering private jets. Right. We, we were on commercial on flights United that, were Airlines at, flight. that were going to Rome anyway. We just <laughs> right. sat in one of the seats that was <laughs> right. going there anyway.
1: And they were full except for our seats. Do you remember we booked uh, the tickets kind of separately, but together. And by the time we'd finished one, like there were only two seats left. Uh, yeah. We got the last two seats on that plane, but uh, – Anyway, I I just kind of crunched the basic numbers on this. I'm like, oh, this is really kind of fascinating how economically and environmentally intensive this 100,000 Roses bit was. But there's no way that I can tweet this out because it's going to go badly. It's not going to go well because the people who follow me generally are pretty big fans of Mr. Beast and they're pretty big fans of... uh, you know, science channels, a portion of them are at least. Um, and i just like the overlap is just, this is just not going to go well. You know, they're not going to look at that and say, whoa, that's something to think about. No, they're going to look at that and it's going to be either ignored. If so, what's the point in tweeting it? Or I'm going to look like a jerk to them, you know? So I, I flushed that tweet down my mental toilet very, very quickly. Uh, But that was a case of it just not fitting the audience. Well, if I was deeply, deeply engaged in the commentary community that, you know, does a live stream every time somebody makes some kind of slip up or whatever, then they probably love that, that thing. You know, it's like Team Trees Hero, all of a sudden, you know, environmental crisis villain, you know, that would be the topic. So that's what I think in terms of the advice stuff that you're talking about, where the, what you said is probably going to go very, very well in a different community. Mm-hmm. And I think more so than it not being able to give advice on Twitter, it's, it's making sure that whatever you're injecting yourself in is in a community where it's not going to be a problem you know, we looked through, or at least I did, as you were, as you were going back and forth and getting piled on with that stuff, I didn't know any of those people. I knew even fewer of them than you did. I didn't even know the YouTuber who connected you, you know, with that whole issue, you know, so I'm looking at all these people and there were people who, uh, you know, discuss mental health issues and depression and anxiety and all that stuff all the time. Uh, so it made more sense that they would seize on that interpretation and see a problem with it. If, you know, this is boring, but if, if it was like a LinkedIn group of networking tips, <laughs> then you know, you're not going to get piled on, even though you're
0: saying exactly the same thing. Yeah. I understand what you're saying. I just hope that it, that it ultimately doesn't come down to like a preaching to the choir. Yes. Situation. That's, because that doesn't seem all that helpful either. Like if you're not. only talking to people who agree with you or who aren't going to be critical of what you have to say and just love it and lap it up, I don't know how, how helpful that is either. So it is definitely a weird situation. I stepped on a hornet's nest that I'm not <laughs> planning on walking on ever again for sure. Um, but I do want to get to how this all connects to Jake Paul's university. Yeah. And that's the connection that I made with him not even being able to give advice over a tweet is the fact that he's trying to build an advice business convincing kids not to go to school. Literally, this is part of his sales pitch is for kids not to go to school, certainly not go to college, but instead enroll in his financial freedom movement for 20 bucks a month and somehow mm-hmm. that is the way that they will get ahead in life and i copied and pasted some of the copy yeah say on the what site. some of the and intro I'd love is. to go through this
1: yeah do that do that because it it summarizes what he's about with this i think to a, to a pretty reasonable degree
0: so the tweet that he made to announce this financial freedom movement thing says, why are you sitting in school learning the quadratic formula and not learning how to make money? So right there, he's <laughs> <laughs> saying like, why are you learning math? Math is useless. You <laughs> math should is be for learning. stupids. Math is, you'll never need the quadratic formula. Math is lame, even though making money is math. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's no faster way to a
1: lifetime of poverty than learning math. Than learning math. Right. <laughs>
0: Probably has some of the highest earning jobs <laughs> in the world. Our math majors can literally get a job in any industry. So, the the website goes on to say, "They say we're entitled and lazy," uh, meaning, I guess, like boomers criticizing Gen Z and and millennials for being sure. entitled and lazy. So, automatically, he pits this as like an us against them us against the industry, us against boomers. We're fighting back against the boomers who want us to uh, do things the way they did it. So this is literally, literally what it says. They say we're entitled and lazy. They tell us to go to college, get a job, retire at 65. How's that working out for us? Well, first of all, you yeah, know, yeah. we're near 65. So I don't know yet
1: in like 40 years, Jake, I'm older than most of the people I interact with, you know, the YouTube sphere and I'm still quite a ways away from 65.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, so it goes on to say there's over $1 trillion in student loan debt and people with outdated education who can't even get a job for the student loans they took out that now haunt them for life. Maybe you're too young to have experienced this yet. Uh, but let me, let me repeat that again. Cause this is important. Maybe you're too young to have experienced this yet. Hint hint, he's going after children. But if you're not then you know exactly what I'm talking about. I've had enough of it. Uh okay, getting back to the fact that this is targeted towards children. Uh the top question and answer in the FAQ is this. Does this relate to me if I'm young? They use the word they used the word young. If I'm a I youngster guarantee- if I'm I guarantee you a lawyer told them to use that word. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. A, a if, lawyer said you can get away with saying young. Not if he'd said Uh, Or if you'd even
1: said high school, or if you're still in high school, that's, that's the first thing that jumped for me was it, it, does this matter for me if I'm still in high school? Well, then all of a sudden you have a different issue than if you say something, (laughs) you know, if you say something young, does this matter for me if I'm young at heart? (laughs) You know, just something so stupid and vague that you're never going to get dinged for targeting minors.
0: No, it's, it's totally, it's totally legally ambiguous. Does this relate to me if I'm young? And here's the answer: Yes, <laughs> because the sooner <laughs> you learn this and implement this in your life, the more you will benefit. I wish I knew all of this when I was even younger. Who knows where I'd be in my career? Yeah, who knows? Who knows? Um, so there you go. I'm actually that, sympathetic to a lot of the things that
1: he seems to be. He seems to be selling in this, but right, but. <laughs> it's uh it comes off a little weirdly and when you go to the site which uh I, i'm sure is all over his his twitter you know we don't need to necessarily put the url on our stuff but if you go to that site uh it is a really traditional sales funnel and if if you're not familiar with that term it's it's just you've seen a, a just countless times online where you just kind of start at the top of the page and it will throw some big questions and slowly take you down a usually exceptionally long web page that takes 97 scrolls of the mouse to get to the bottom, where it just pitches a course or a book, an ebook or uh, trying to get you to sign up for a consultation or something like that. Uh, and, and when that happened, I thought, okay, somebody must have come to him, a company came to him and said we'll handle all of this stuff we just want to plug you into it and i think that's what's happening here i can't confirm that and i'm not gonna you know speculate too hard but i I think he probably received kind of a partnership offer on that kind of thing so i don't know how much is truly coming from the mind of jake paul how how closely his hopes and dreams are allied with doing this educational venture or if it's a little bit more of a hosting thing that he's endorsing um, but there's been a whole lot of a whole lot of pushback on what he's selling here and whether it's okay to target younger people I mean it's it's a dicey question because this kind of thing is should go to young people like if the question is, do you go to a four-year college and take on all of the financial liabilities that that entails? Well, that's not useful advice to you when you're 25 and have already done it. You know that really is a question you need to ask when you're like 16 or 17, uh, or uh, you know, last year of high school or whatever. When you're young, so I get why it's necessary to put these things in. The terms that he's putting them in, but there's been some problems with that, huh?
0: Well, and part of the what you mentioned as being sympathetic to some of it, I am too. I mean the the the, the whole part about the student loan crisis and the fact that you know college is debilitatingly expensive and puts you in debt forever and ever and ever it is be. a real yeah. problem. That, yeah. That's a real problem. That's a 100% real problem that, that all high school kids should strongly consider, or I should say reconsider, whether or not they want to subject themselves to $200,000 for a bachelor's degree. Like That right. is a very real thing. You weigh the options between
1: the costs of a private school versus a public school. I mean, this is what I did, which was a long time ago. Um, but it was still exactly the same, the same kind of mental debate that that you go through with it. It's like, you know, I, I, grew up in New York. So do I go to a SUNY school for this much money or do I go to, uh, one of, one of the private schools that I went, went to, uh, for however much money there. And like, what is the financial aid package and are there scholarships? And then what is the end result? And for me, the private option was financially equal to the public option. So then I could just kind of go where I wanted to go. There wasn't this disparity where I had to choose between like the $5,000 a year option and the $35,000 a year option. You know, that would have probably gotten a different result from me because I would have gone over that that thing. So, but uh, still, it, it that's a totally valid question to say, uh, is it better to... Spend uh, to go in the hole for a hundred thousand dollars, or is it better to work on something else? Start off with no debt. Um, maybe you have less earning potential in theory, depending on your field, uh, but you'll be starting in a much better place, and your money will have your money will have much more time to grow. I mean, it is kind of sickening when I think back to how much money I would have right now if if I'd Like if I'd maxed out everything from 18 on and had the, you know, the 20 years for that money to grow, like it's perfectly valid to, to talk about that. Um, And there are people who like, I know of one family, which they're in a really unique position um, because most people don't have the option to do what I'm about to say, but the parents went to the kid and said, we will pay for college if you want to go. Where we will give you the money that we would have paid to the college, and wow. you can have that. Uh, I forget what kind of trust or uh, investment thing. I I actually think that it was going to go into a retirement plan, and they would maximize the contributions until that was exhausted. You know, so they said you can go to college, we'll pay, or we'll put this in in uh, your retirement fund, and that's obviously not going to pay off for you. <laughs> anytime soon, but it's going to give you a hell of a start. Um, the kid chose college by the way, uh, which is where I met him. Um, but that's, you know, a valid mathematical option. Uh, you know, when you look at it and say, well, which payoff do I want? So I don't think that anything in what he's put here is crazy, but a lot of people do. A lot of people have problems with him saying school is lame. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah. So look, that's not the problem that I have with it. Like, if you if you believe that you need to be telling kids to take a hard look at whether or not they should be spending fifty, sixty thousand dollars a year for a de- uh, a degree that they won't use, uh, like that, I think that's a totally valid thing to do. However, however, however. <laughs> Claiming that the alternative to that is to give him twenty bucks a month <laughs> for these like useless videos, did you watch any of the videos? I haven't like yet. here's the kind of stuff that you'll get. No, oh my gosh, what's it like? I haven't seen that it's It's nothing. It's like nothing. It's like you might as well go to to t c u university and just listen to our podcast like those would be more informative <laughs> <laughs> because we actually have experience with a lot of stuff. Uh, that we talk about, you know, and all of you can listen to for free uh, on this podcast or guess what? Unlike any number of podcasts <laughs> or I don't know, like Gary Vaynerchuk vlogs, oh. like there's any number of yeah. stuff like this that's 100% free that will be a lot more valuable for people to to get actual like actionable advice from than listening to a video of Jake Paul just rambling about how like, this was one of the videos. It's just him sitting there and going, um, like when we were kids, like my dad spent $50,000 on a house on like a house that costs $50,000. And it was like the, all the money that he had and like when he bought that house, we would go in there and we would like strip the floors and like put up new walls and, like, do interior decorating to it. And, like, then he would, like, a few months later sell it for, like, $100,000. And, anyway, that, like, taught me, you know, like, how to have a work ethic. Uh, the end! End of clip! Uh, end of clip! That's, that's the whole rough. thing! That's the whole thing! You know, it's like, I'm paying $20 a month for that?
1: Even when I talk about the past on stuff, like a few minutes ago, talking about college things, that was about 20 years ago for me. Even I feel funny about, you know, when I was young kind of things, because it really hasn't been that long. We're not 90, right? And so when I think about the lessons from Jake Paul's childhood, what is that? Like the second George W. Bush term? Like that's insane. (laughs)
0: Yeah, it's like, oh, back in 2009. <laughs> like my dad flipped houses. Okay, cool story. Yeah, there How were already me?
1: seven house flipping TV shows Like, yeah. at that yeah, time. Yeah. It wasn't a novel yeah, you idea. You just
0: watch Flip or Flop on HGTV and get oh. the same lesson.
1: Yeah, good for him. That's cool. But uh, it's not some weird blast from the past kind of thing. I'm sure it is to somebody who's 10. You know, and who who thinks uh, the 90s were truly, you know, a long time ago, um, but which I did see something, by the way. So I struggle with this perspective. It's a slight detour. But uh, you realize when we were in high school, that 70s show was on. Yeah, that's basically the same amount of time. So the 70s to the late 90s like that, that show to the late 90s is even even more than right now if they made. You know, like that nineties show, yeah, you know, and it seemed weird. like a very old show, so maybe there is more time there, but um it comes off weird, the Jake Paul thing does it you know, you get this very salesy thing. you're right to point out that guys like Gary Vee, number one, do this better. They have years' worth of free stuff. Gary's been doing it forever. Like ten solid years, he's been putting out material like this. Uh, I think he knows more about it than Jake Paul does too. I haven't listened to these videos or gone through the entire Financial Freedom course, uh, but I'm I'm guessing that that he's not on Gary's level. I don't know what happens for twenty a month and how long do you need to do it. I mean, at what point are you? Have you exhausted? Do you graduate? His when yeah. When do you? Gr-
0: <laughs> when do you get your diploma <laughs>
1: <laughs> i just wonder how it's going to play out i think it's an odd venture for him at this stage like it's the kind of thing i would do if i were done you know like to me it's it's sort of like when you see somebody uh advertising for like supplemental life insurance or something uh where <laughs> you haven't heard of that guy in a long time yeah you know they pop up uh you know, with
0: one of those little infomercial things so like, okay, well that's, that's the work you get at this point in your career. <laughs> Dude, he's going to make so much money doing nothing with this. And that's the point that you, you know that that's, what's going to happen. They're going to make millions of dollars off this thing. And he has to do next to nothing. I mean, that's why they're doing it.
1: Probably not much. I, I do think he's, he's probably partnered with a place that's handling this and we've, you know we've even seen proposals like that over the years where somebody says you know hey let's partner on a course kind of thing don't worry because we'll do all the materials you know we'll yeah. ha- we'll handle every bit of that so all you have to do is you know just kind of say it and that's it those opportunities exist and that's the feel i'm getting from this whole thing is that uh, they they let him riff on stuff for a while, and probably cut cut it down to relevant things, and then combine that with some kind of structured lesson that they've put together.
0: Yeah, I just find it pretty predatory of a venture to like, clearly advertise to kids to like ignore mom and dad. They don't know how things are for us kids these days, but you know who does? (laughs) Me, Jake Paul, and I'm going to make you rich. Like, is there anything greasier than that? It's pretty greasy.
1: (laughs) I'm thinking of Bubbles telling uh, Julian that he's
0: (laughs) – something's greasy. (laughs) (laughs) If if anything – is greasy. It's this, it just is. I don't remember, you know, even like when what's her name sold her own pee or what was it? Her her like, Oh, the gamer girl uh, bathwater. Yeah. That's what it was. Bathwater. Yeah. It's like, Oh God. Same, the same same thing. (laughs) It's like, it's like, at least (laughs) those are like consenting adults and they know what they're getting. Uh, You know what I mean? It's like, that's not as greasy. That might be uh, kind of uh, creepier, but but this just seems greasy in in a in a way that I find <laughs> predatory on on Jake Paul's part and the people involved. So here's my question: to tell kids, uh, tell kids, forget getting a job. Like that's what literally what it says. They tell us to go to college, get a job. It's like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes, you you probably should get a job. That's not the
1: worst thing. I think we both agree that there are a couple of valid issues in what he's pitching here. Uh, like yes. a couple of valid things to consider, whatever. And we, we know a bunch of people who who advocate for this kind of thing. You know, yeah. And, and I know. I I know a bunch more from, you know, things that I'm involved in, in different groups and stuff where people come up with programs where it's like, do this, you know, uh, one year intensive boot camp kind of thing. Uh, not just, you know, you started out with coding kinds of, of areas because that was so easily structured. Um but just an alternative to school where it's like hyper apprenticeship and you're guaranteed a job after and and you get on with your career that as an alternative to college. Well, all that stuff is reasonable to talk about and and discuss, but you've pointed out that the way this has been done is kind of greasy. How do, how does Jake Paul or somebody like him address any of these topics, bring it up, Talk about it in a useful way and not have it come off as greasy. Is there a way to do that? Is the fact that he's charging for it greasy? This is my question. If this was all free, if let's say he just started a YouTube channel where he put this stuff out and it was free for everybody, would it feel as greasy and would it be as greasy?
0: I think to me the framing of it is what's greasy. Like if he just came out and said like, Here's my how to be an influencer course. Mm -hmm. Then it's like, okay, well, he is one of the most successful, like influencers of all time. I think he is more than qualified to do a course and charge money to people who want to pay for it. You know, it's a free market. That's fine to say, I want to sign up for Jake's, Jake Paul's how to be a vlogger. Right. Mm -hmm. That's fine. What, what, what bothers me about it is this whole, like, parents are lame, right? They (laughs) think that you should be, like, a good person who contributes to society. Don't do that. Instead, like, just listen to me and I'll teach you how to be a maverick or whatever. It's like, it's so, it's framed in such a way that's, that's, I find awful.
1: It's got this. It's got this kind of goofy, sleazy feel to me. Like, do you remember that, that song from DJ Jazzy Jeff and Will Smith? The parents, the parents just, just don't understand. understand. Yeah, it's got that just kind of dumb, like, hey, old people don't get it. And we're going to rap about why. They don't understand the complexities <laughs> of 1991. Um, yeah, it feels funny. But you know what? We should, we should ask Coffee Break to jump back and talk about this, because he spent uh, since we talked to him last, he spent most of that time uh, deep diving into gurus of all types on pretty much money making money making courses, uh, some of which are pretty scammy. Uh, he's uncovered some really dishonest, scammy stuff, and I wonder what he. How he sees this as somebody who spent almost a year evaluating this kind of thing, like where it ranks in terms of, of of
0: greasiness. Yeah, the grease scale. I don't know. <laughs> that's a great idea. I I thought about him today when I was thinking about this topic because yeah, he has been like like eyeball deep in guru land, yeah. and that's what this smells of to me. So I want to know how yeah. you know if it passes his sniff test. And what he thinks about it. Um, We have a baby gang Isaac question that I want to hit before we wrap up. Okay. So baby gang Isaac wants to know, how do you go about researching your Vsauce 2 topics? And from there, how do you decide what's worth a full video and what could be used to aid another topic later? And I loved these questions because we literally just went through this last week. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, um, um, let me. Where do you want to start? On that?
1: Let me pull that pull that up because it's got you know a couple layers to it, and I'm trying to think yeah. how to how to go through it. Um, yeah, I mean, we're in an interesting spot now because they, that's a little different from where we've been on, on the research and, and topic side. Like, we're awash in possibilities for the first time in a long time. Like mm-hmm. uh, of yeah. possible topics because we, we took a slow time of the year and kind of did a roundup of some of the, the really good things that could could go through. But um, they, they change as they develop. Like mm-hmm. just where that idea is headed is going to change based on what you're going to use to demonstrate the thing. Yeah. You know? um, there was one. One video that was kind of in the works, it, it, you know, it it isn't working out the same way. So we, but as we thought it would, but there was one distinct idea that used a really unique set of things to show that idea when that collaboration didn't end up happening at that time, all of a sudden that demonstration was just not relevant anymore. You know? And so we rethought, we rethought that, the whole thing. And it actually turned into a completely different video, didn't it?
0: Yeah. So I think that where, where we start really is kind of a compelling topic that has some kind of twist or something that will make the audience, you know, think, "Whoa, wait, what's going on here? I think that that's a big part of it is that I call the, the WTF element. And I think the WTF element is not exclusive to edu videos i think you need a wtf element no matter what kind of youtube videos you're making there's got to be some sort of intrigue or hook or mystery or confusion that hopefully you know by watching this video we will uncover so it starts there and also at the same time starts with something visual That will work well and can be demonstrated in a video. It's like, gosh, and you know what else I think would be helpful uh, for people to know is I had an idea for a video that you didn't like and then I called Michael and he didn't like it. (laughs) And his advice on it, though, that I think could be relevant for people was why is this a video and not just a tweet? Yeah, He was basically saying like, if you can just, if you could just tweet this information, then just tweet it. If you're going to make a video about something, then there needs to be a lot more meat on the bone to kind of justify why this is a video and not just Mm -hmm. a tweet.
1: Yeah. And that, that meat on the bone part matters too, because there's a lot of really quirky stuff in math related things. But they're interesting almost for the sake of it, right? So they're mathematically interesting, but that's not video interesting, okay? It's not real-life interesting. Uh, it's, it's only interesting to somebody who finds that little, very specific intellectual challenge interesting, and that's what I think of when, when you start talking about things like meat on the bone. Is there are a lot of bones? There are a lot of very good bones in the general, <laughs> the general uh, uh, sphere of the videos that you make. And that's something that we talk about a lot is, okay, this thing is cool. It's really interesting. What else is there? What makes this worth bothering with? And can, it, can you go on... Any interesting tangents with this, if somebody asks you so what can you answer that question you know and yeah, a lot of math related things die because you cannot answer so what yeah that's a huge part of the process and we we've had some ideas um, that have been on the list for a long time uh, one of them that i that I can remember is an economic thing where there's a phenomenon where sometimes it creates more value for both parties if you, <clears throat> excuse me, if you throw away uh, something that you're trading. So like, let's say you have 10 bananas and or I'm trying to trade you 10 bananas. Uh, it can be worth more to you if I throw away like eight of them. It sounds insane, right? And it's a counterintuitive thing. Uh but I, it's been like two years now, and I, there's not a compelling way to to do this. And I remember pitching to you at one point, you were going to the Vsauce offices. It's like, well, maybe Michael or Jake would make this video with you where you have, the, have two people engaging in this exchange in some way, and you make it a, a fun kind of thing. And that just didn't work. You know, like it just wasn't a good way to do it. So that never happened and shouldn't have happened. Um, But the concept there, the bone on that one is really intriguing and just haven't, haven't really come up with a way to do it in, in, in a way that has the hook that you're talking about, that has somebody sticking around for 10 or 12 minutes uh, to watch it all. Um, It's more of that tweet side than full length discussion. And so when we have those topics, like I know Isaac asked about saving things for later. Sometimes they do pop up where it's great to tack one on another video and then you've used it in a useful way. Um but there's I don't know, how many topics do you think are on this master list of varying degrees of
0: gonna happenness? I bet like twenty. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes you just need that creative Muse or whatever to pop in your head and and, and tells you like how to be excited about yeah. something and gives you an angle on it. Sometimes that just takes time. So yeah, it's a combination of a topic with good bones yeah. <laughs> that you could add meat to. It has to be like visually compelling. It has to have some sort of WTF factor. And I will say right before we wrap up that Baby Gang Jeff Davis gave me a, a puzzle book and a paradox book yeah. that has been the source of a lot of exploration of ideas and just kind of like launching mm-hmm. into new topics that will then dive further into. And that has been a huge help too. So sometimes it's just a book yep. and you know, the book that Jeff Davis got for me, I immediately bought you a copy because mm-hmm. I was like, all right, this is a great topic or at least like idea starter.
1: Yeah. And we see different things on the same page. That's the cool part. And so when Isaac's asking about the process on all this, a huge part of it is just plain talking it out and talking it out with somebody who's not you and preferably yeah. preferably a little bit different than you. Because with that, that book is such a good example. A couple times you've said, check out page whatever, sent me a picture of it uh, so I'm seeing the same thing that you are. And I, I just read it in a way where I think this is, this is not an interesting one. I don't like it. Or this is amazing. Like this is three times better than, than he thinks it is. You know, I like, <laughs> yeah. it goes both ways. And that happened on one. There's one where
0: you're like, yeah, it's kind of a middling thing. And it was something I was really excited about. No, no. I skipped over it completely. I didn't even show it to you. Yeah. I literally s- skipped over it completely. And it was the one that you were the most excited about. Yeah. You're like, this is the video. I'm like, I didn't even, I didn't even pitch you that. <laughs> I just, I just turned the page. <laughs> right. So yeah, it definitely also helps to have two brains yep. uh, thinking about this stuff. But um, yeah, we got, we got to go. This, this was uh this was a good, this is a good episode. I feel good about this. You feel good about this? Um,
1: how about I subtweet you misinterpreting everything you've said and passively, very passively tell you how I feel about this episode?
0: No, 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 no. And, and, uh, yeah, look out for no more advice from me on Twitter and, um, (laughs) that's the lesson of today's episode. Uh, gigantic. Thanks to all of our patrons all of our new patrons. If you want to become part of the dumpster crew or some of our other tiers, then go to patreon.com slash the create unknown. If you want to just chat, join the discord, check out our discord. There's a link below and, um, give us your two cents about cereal. That <laughs> so just laughs at cereal. Yeah. All right, that's probably, that's yep. probably enough. Yep. Yep. All right. See you space cowboys. Thanks for listening to The Create Unknown. If you liked what you heard, and I certainly hope that you did, please subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast and leave us a review on Podchaser and Apple Podcasts. Those reviews really go a long way. While you're at it, you can also watch the video version of this show on youtube.com slash thecreateunknown. Follow us on social media. We tweet at createunknown. We're on Facebook and Instagram at thecreateunknown. You can follow me, Matt, and the show on Podchaser for podcast updates. You can also find a link to our Discord in the show notes. We love our Discord because we get to talk to you and you get to talk to us. So join our Discord. Our website is thecreateunknown.com. The Create Unknown is an unknown media production. We've been your hosts, Kevin Lieber and Matt Tabor. Check out what we do on YouTube at Vsauce2 and on Twitter at Kev Lieb and Tabor TCU. Links in the show notes. This episode was edited by Zalgalu. Our theme song is by the incredible Mega Drive. Special thanks to Paula Lieber, Mo Lewitt. Until next time, see you, space cowboys.